Hey folks, welcome to the Battles of the First World War podcast. With me this evening is my good friend and Battlefield Guide associate, Robert J. Laplander, who is also the well-known author of Finding the Lost Battalion, Beyond the Rumors, Myths, and Legends of America's Famous World War I Epic. Rob joins me this evening as he and I have an announcement to make. Yes, we do. We do. And no, we are not yet announcing the summer 2023 battlefield walk of the Merz-Argonne area. Although, however, yeah, what are you guys doing during the first week of July 2023? Hint, hint, hint. Just saying. But before we digress too much, our announcement tonight relates to Rob's book on the Lost Battalion. If you haven't yet read it, it's an excellent, thoroughly engrossing deep dive into a story that everyone would have known about a century ago, the story of Lieutenant Colonel Charles Whittlesey and the so-called Lost Battalion. So you may not have read it yet, okay? That's no problem, because I think Rob and I have a solution for you. Um, However, I think you should hear this from Rob himself. So, Rob, if you would, please, sir. We are pleased to announce through the Battles of the First World War podcast that finally, after many years of begging, pleading, and asking, we do have an audiobook version available for you. Uh, read for you by none other than Battles of the First World War podcast uh, guy himself, Mr. Mike Cunha. That is read ably, I might add. Thank you. Uh, wonderful performance by him. Um, he put a lot of effort into this. It's not a short book, as everyone knows, and it has not turned out to be a short audiobook either, even with a little bit of editing. Uh, I do an intro and I do an outro on it, so you get to hear me too. Uh, but most of all, you get to hear, sort of in living color, the whole story from front to back. Um, and it will make for a lot of pleasant evenings and drives, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So for, for listeners of uh, uh, a podcast episode that's that's about to be released here uh, by the time this one goes out, um, I made a comment that uh, I wasn't sure why I wasn't more productive during the pandemic two years ago. Um, I actually, turns out I actually was, I, I completely forgot I was recording this thing the entire time. <laughs> so we, okay, Rob and I really want to thank um, a, a good friend, Cullen Burke of the Cauldron Podcast. Uh, that's the Cauldron Podcast, a history of the world, battle by battle. Cullen is a fantastic guy. He recorded the intro announcement and the legal notes for us. And let me tell you guys, Cullen has a voice made for this sort of thing. That he does. So, folks, Finding the Lost Battalion, Beyond the Rumors, Myths, and Legends of America's Famous World War I Epic, is available on the Supporting Cast website and through Spotify. And links will be provided in the show notes here. Uh, we will also be posting it across all of our social media accounts. 
uh, both anything related to the Battles of the First World War podcast, as well as uh, Rob's social media accounts related to Finding the Lost Battalion. Price of the audiobook is $25 US, and you'll have immediate access to nearly 36 hours of a fascinating World War I epic of devastating modern battle and indomitable bravery under horrific conditions. And yes, you heard that right. 36 hours. 36 hours, folks. It's, you know, even if you have a long commute, it's, it's going to take you weeks to get through this. So, um, but every minute of it, let me tell you, every minute of it was, was enjoyable recording it. I, I did a really did deep dive into the book myself, of course. Um, and I felt not, you know, of course, like I can't say anything like I felt that I was there with them, but I do feel a much deeper connection to all of these guys, to Whittlesey, McMurtry, uh, Red Cullen, all, all of these guys through, through having been able to, to really read literally every word of this book. So um, it, it was, it was an incredible experience. I, I, I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, you did a great job, Mike. I, you did a wonderful job. You, everyone's going to really enjoy it. If just to listen, um, if you, if you enjoy the podcast and you, you enjoy the, the way that Mike delivers things, you're going to love the book. It's just fabulous the way that he did it. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So following our little announcement here, we we're, we're attaching a little teaser trailer from, from the audiobook itself. So we hope you enjoy. Um, and we think that finding the lost battalion, it's going to be a story that you will not forget. We really hope Just in time for Christmas. Same. Exactly. So yeah. folks hope you enjoy and we will, uh, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Mike. At about 6.30 a.m., Captain Holderman and a guide came over the little footbridge and met with Major Whittlesey. The captain, experienced soldier that he was, was not pleased with all he saw in the misty morning light. First, he had not realized in the dark just what a steep hill he and his men had come down earlier that morning. If they should have to fight back up it for any reason, they would definitely be in for a tough time. Second, the ravine was far too narrow, and the hills around it held too much of a commanding view over it for him to feel comfortable about taking up a position extending to 308's right flank from in it. Neither of the other two companies behind him had shown up yet, and alone he would not have enough men to extend back the distance they had come during the night. Nevertheless, the captain introduced himself and presented his orders for the extension of the right flank to Major Willsey and Captain McMurtry, reporting that he and his lieutenants, who were back minding the men, had only 97 soldiers with them, but that the other two companies behind should be along any time. Somehow, they had been separated in the dark. He said this with apparently little conviction, though, realizing that they should not have been all that far behind, Every minute that they remained unaccounted for in the rapidly progressing daylight diminished their chances of showing up at all. Nevertheless, Captain McMurtry said, with more than a hint of relief in his voice, Oh, then we're all right. It was a sentiment no doubt shared by Major Whittlesey. Both realized just how precarious the position in the ravine actually was. 
They were, once again, a small cocky force in a large sea of field gray, with only a thin runner line stretching back, and therefore support in any form would be warmly welcomed. Additionally, to Major Whittlesey and Captain McMurtry, Company K of the 307th's arrival also signaled two other very important and positive things. First, the triple-strength runner line they had left behind was still intact and operational, indicating full contact with the rear, no matter what was happening on the other three sides. This, despite what Captain Holderman reported about at least the last runner post being abandoned. Second, the 307th was making every effort to come up on the right and help exploit the break in the line that the 308th had affected. This would seem to indicate that General Johnson was fully aware of the situation and that they should not be alone in the ravine very long. It would also appear to suggest that Colonel Stacy was indeed keeping an eye on the rear areas. And so, with the force and the Charlevoix about to make the connection back to companies D and F on the left, all would then be in good order, and Major Whittlesey's fears for a repeat of the night of the 28th to the 29th would be dispelled. Around them, the five medics were preparing some men to carry a few more of the wounded back down the runner line and out of the pocket while others worked on deepening their holes or the latrines. Have your company report here, Major Whittlesey told Captain Holderman. However, according to Jim Larney, Captain Holderman balked at first. While his right flank extension orders seemed to put him at Major Whittlesey's disposal, once he arrived there, he definitely did not favor the position in the ravine especially without the support he had started with. Moving farther into the ravine only seemed to invite trouble then. He therefore demanded to be shown the Major's orders, stating that without seeing specific orders to hold such a position, he would not take it up and instead take his company back out the way he had come. The Major was apparently a bit peeved at this. Arguing with a junior officer was not something he tolerated easily. Nonetheless, he quietly produced the orders, which of course stated that once he had broken the line, he was to hold and extend liaison left and right. Accepting that he had no choice, Holderman looked up and said flatly, Where do you want me? 